There was an idea. The two podcasters could join together and cover every single superhero television show and movie that exists. Then Barry Allen popped in and reminded us that short of having time-altering super speed, there's no way in hell we could accomplish that in one lifetime, but we'll do what we can. So anywho, welcome back to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to melting in the summer sun here in western New York. Alright, wait, yeah, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. <laughs> well, we've got triple triple digit heat, in, in heat index temperatures, uh, so apologies in advance. Uh, you're going to hear some fan and um, air conditioning sounds, or I will die in the middle of this podcast, so... We're here today, this is uh, Scott and Pat, as usual, doing the Legion cast, we're doing Season 3, Episode 4, Chapter 23, uh, La today. Uh, no, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, after a fairly mundane episode last week with uh, the origins of Charles Xavier and Mama Gabrielle Heller, um, we go right off the fucking deep end this, this week, and all kinds of weirdness and all kinds of call-outs and something that made Patrick here literally message me and be like, holy fucking <laughs> shit, have you seen this yet? And I'm like, okay, uh, I'm dying to, but I had to wait till Tina got home, and uh, then I watched it, and, and I thought it could have been one of several things that made you go, holy fucking shit, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was probably one thing in particular. Um, so let's jump into it, a very dense episode. Uh, your thoughts? All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. We'll just start out. We'll we'll just do it as usual. Do our back and forth uh, synopsis here and and chime in when we when we need to go. Holy fucking shit! Perfect. So we'll start you off this week. Ptolemy gets his mustache trimmed, and Carrie asks if he remembers fun. She says she misses Carrie. This is. Uh, Scientist Carrie, she's talking about, and wonders if Ptolemy misses anyone. Is it Ptolemy Carrie, or Ptolemy? Oh, that's right, Ptolemy. Ptolemy, okay. <laughs> I just see that PT and I want to say Ptolemy. Yeah. It's oh, all Carl Sagan's fault. <laughs> Ptolemy, Ptolemyo. Carrie complains that they're, they're all like grown ups and figures that Ptolemy doesn't understand. Ptolemy chokes and then says that his narrative is compromised. The vermilions around him twitch and time alters, and Carrie finds herself cradling Ptolemy in her arms. He wonders what they did to his mustache and dies. Carrie finds herself in Sid's room and doesn't remember the conversation they just had about time travel. Sid realizes they're being attacked by David in the past and figures they need the real Carrie. The two women hear giggling, and Sid tells Carrie to get out. As they leave, the apple on Sid's desk rots and dies. So yeah, we're we're already seeing that apparently David is just broken time with his little shenanigans, and it gets worse from here, kids. At a house in the suburbs, Lenny sits on the lawn with Janine, um, pregnant girlfriend. Uh, Janine says that her unborn daughter wants to join them, and tells Lenny that she uh, makes her smart. Uh, they consider what to name their baby, and Lenny suggests that she is you know just quit. She's like thinking of put, putting in my two weeks' notice, and if they hit the road. Let's blow this taco stand. 
Janine tells her that uh, she goes where uh, Lenny goes. David and Switch appear through Switch's portal. David says that they have to go back so he can warn her mother. Time repeats itself twice, and Switch realizes what's happening. And, and how we get this through the entire episode is these little rewinds um, of the scene we just watched. And so we see David and Switch fall out of time several times, and Lenny makes the same comment about... Uh, you know, the bloody tooth situation with Switch going on, and uh, it, it gets kind of headache-inducing after a while, but we get a lot of it this episode, but it's very yep. effective what it's trying to do, and, and we get a little more explanation of it a little farther down the road. But. Yeah, what this what this, uh, what this this recap missed is that's the relocated house from the first episode, right, no yeah. longer in a vacant lot, and they're you know, the acolytes are playing hopscotch with triple digit numbers and a long rhyme going on in front. And the conversation between uh, Janine and Lenny is about the, the child they're going to have. Who yeah. Janine's insisting is going to be a girl. Cause because gir- when girls get together, they have a girl. Uh, and yeah. Aubrey Plaza does her best sarcastic, like, you're so smart. Yeah. But the first name suggested for the girl is Salmon. And or another salmon fish is, name, anyway. Yeah. 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 Salmon's and, not a fish, Pat. It's a color. So. <laughs> so salmon is... Salmon's the name of the character that uh, Saoirse Ronan plays in The Lovely Bones, which is ah. about a girl who is trapped outside of time. Yeah, right. Kind of watching time ah. move hmm. weird around her. Yeah. And has a lot, a lot of very Legion-esque uh, effects in it. Yeah. All right, didn't catch that one. But yeah. they decide on uh, Violet. Yeah, why not? Just... Although there's some some X Men trickery where Lenny's like, "Well, what if we name her Violence?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Patamani confirms the computers across the world. He wasn't actually dead; just sleeping briefly or in another time or something or other. He confirms that computers across the world are corrupted, and he and the Vermilion reports Clark that someone is altering time. And Sid and Carrie arrive, and Sid realizes that David destroys the world by altering the timeline and breaking stuff. Time repeats itself twice, so you get a lot more of the little rewind effect, and the hand reaches through the monitor they're studying. Farouk arrives and stops it, and the severed hand drops to the floor. Nice. I think what he says is "be gone, demon" or "demon be gone." Yeah, yeah. And stop. David levitates and meditates and remembers himself as a baby. Lenny comes in and tells David they're ready for him. He lowers himself to the ground when Lenny asks if he's okay. Briefly touches his forehead. David then meets with his acolytes and asks if they're happy. They assure him that they are, and David says that he made a big mess. The acolytes assure him they're not mad with him. But Lenny says there's a problem with the clock. David asks Switch why uh, time is looping as it is, and she says there are demons in the Hall of Time, which they've alluded to before. Um, she explains that they live in the space outside of time and are always trying to find a way into their reality, and she can hear them giggling when she's traveling. Switch doesn't know what they look like exactly. Uh, maybe blue cats or blue meanies, Maybe. And the demons play with time instead of mice, eating it. And David assures the acolytes that he will protect them because he's their daddy, creepy, and they will. Uh, beg, and they beg him to make him feel good. 
and David shoots them all a little, you know, some psychic opiates or something, and <laughs> makes them all feel good and pass out. But Lenny shrugs it off and tells David to come up with a plan instead. And he tells her to be nice, or he can't be nice. You just got to watch your tone with Daddy. And Lenny tells him to get mad and use his powers to save their asses. The room darkens for a moment, and then David says he's going to fix it, no matter what it takes and no matter who the universe sends after him, because it's his time. So, two references. One may one one might be me reaching, but there's a Clive Barker book called um, "The Thief of Always." Okay, it's never got around to that. But. Say what? I never got around to that one, but go for it. Yeah. But in this, in this, it's about a house that kind of steals the years from children. Oh, that's right. And yeah. there is a uh, there is a cat in the house named Blue Cat. Hmm. Ah. There's okay. Blue, there's Blue Cat and there's Clue Cat. Nice. Nice. Clue Cat dies by getting uh, scalded to death on uh, the stove, but Blue Cat, I believe, makes it through the book. Wow, nice. Yeah, I bet that yeah. was intentional. Well done, Legion. <laughs> I need to get back into the file, because my phone keeps cutting out. Okay. Switch wakes up, and David tells her to take him back. She warns him that the more doors they open the more demons will enter their time. Time loops again, and David announces that he is the Alpha and Omega, eating monsters for breakfast. He's specifically talking to the uh, time demons who have entered the room. Yeah. Like, they're seeing him now. They're all around him. It's very, it's, it's a little bit Doctor Who-ish. Oh, yeah. It's, there's a very... Sense. Yeah. It, it, it's Weeping Angels totally jumped to mind. Mm-hmm. In fact, I saw several reviews of this that... Um, you know, referenced Weeping Angels, but didn't get some of the other ones that, that we obviously did. But So, continue. Right. Giggling echoes around them, and Switch warns that the time demons are there. David tells Switch and Lenny to run, which also made me think of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then calls the demons over. They jump through the seconds in time, and, and, fla- and flowers age and rot around them as they reach David. The demons grab David, and he finds himself in a cell. A woman in the next cell asks if he's a, a Jew, gypsy, or homosexual. The woman says they round up deviants and lunatics and warns it's the beginning of the end. David realizes that the woman is Gabrielle. Yeah, the, the uh, time demons you know, catching up with David and finally grabbing him was very weeping angels. I mean, ripped right out of Doctor Who, so... Yeah, playing some serious science fiction TV uh, bingo uh, with this episode and, and other stuff. Science fiction movies and mm-hmm. some other uh, TV shows that we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, the rotting fruit was done on uh, next gen- on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation mm-hmm. in a later season episode. They're on a shuttlecraft, and there was a time displacement, and all the food in front of them rotted just like that. Yeah, and there's something in this one that parallels that, too, that if you touch somebody that's or touch something that's undergoing like a time burp, you know, you could freeze and be stuck in time. But suddenly when we come back from commercial, uh, commercial break, it's Michael Chiklis on the shield instead of our <laughs> Legion show. And everybody watching probably went, huh? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll admit I watched this without commercials, so it probably wasn't nearly as impactful for me. But it was pretty, yeah. I even thought that maybe it's like, okay, what happened here? And I'm like, oh, this must be the holy fucking shit moment that Pat was talking yep. about. <laughs> and yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so we get a little uh, a scene from the shield. Um, 
which is as it aired, except it's got its own little time burps and, and skips and jumps. And, uh, yeah, so Legion is literally affecting other TV shows on the Fox network or something like that. <laughs> so. Or one that was on 10 years ago. Right. More than 10 years ago now. I think yeah. it was wrapped up by yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was eating lunch at, at work watching it on my phone. And I was like, what did I, did I swipe the wrong direction? <laughs> As you said, I think the last week, you know, TV is almost specifically designed now, knowing that people are going to be watching it on, you know, phones and tablets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, somebody, you're, you're the one that proved their theory, Pat. You're the one that went, wait, wait did I just swipe something wrong or <laughs> what's going on here? And, uh, well, just. Have you watched um, the Spider Ham short that comes with the um, Into the Spider Verse DVD? No, no, because I only rented it digitally, so, so what, I didn't get the, the bonus stuff. So it's what that does is they assume you're watching it on a desktop because uh-huh. when re, when reality starts to bend, you see all of the screen icons, you see all the desktop icons, and he's swiping it, he's like swatting around at him. <laughs> Neat. It's really cool, yeah. But oh, uh, you know, of this uh, of this vintage, Marvel is, Marvel is knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Ah, uh, so where we're here, yeah. Oh, Michael Chiklis, uh, weird, weird, weird. Got to get my head together. Farouk, back to our, our regularly scheduled programming. And Farouk tells Sid, Carey, and Clark that the time eaters live in black holes and places like that, and uh, places between time and. David must have left, uh, let them out by, by breaking stuff. <clears throat> and they're too powerful, so they have to go to their nest uh, the time between time to kill them, which is apparently leisure tea. Um, Sid hears something and goes into a hallway, and the others disappear as time changes. Meanwhile, Sid continues down the hall and comes to a room. Uh, a girl is standing at the window and says that she's surprised she's in an airship. And Sid realizes that the girl is wearing a dress like she once had, and the girl turns uh, turns out and uh, turns around and says her name is Sidney Barrett. And her older self figures out that she needs a drink. <laughs> and Sidney asks, Sid, younger, uh, past Sidney asks if she can have one. Sid explains that she's uh, Sidney's future self and talks about the first time they drank when they were nine. Sydney swallows her drink and wonders if she's dreaming, and Sid says, Time is collapsing, and soon there will be nothing left of them, and the time uh, demons destroy the machinery. Um, yeah, we keep referencing uh, La Jetie, and we'll explain more uh, later, but there's a very specific French movie called uh, La Jetie that this references in, in a heavy way, I think, in, in another scene. Carrie is working in his lab, and the time demons appear and disappear around him. He hears them, but continues working, and his, exper- and his experiments change as time changes. Carrie sees a, fi- a pile of flesh-like substance appear on the table and starts to take a sample of it. He remembers David using his mental powers to compel him to do what David wants, and whispers, Treachery! Which, uh, what's his name? Um, can't think of the actor's name now, but does a very good job at delivering that line. <laughs> Carrie goes back to his workbench, takes a piece of equipment, and then walks through the house, calling to the demons. They giggle around him but remain out of sight, and Carrie hears clinking from behind a door. Women run out of the room. This scene, th- that scene was really reminiscent of Dreamscape, mm-hmm. the old um, when the, they open the door and all the mutants burst through 
after the nuclear attack. Yeah. Um, women run out of the room and switch whispers to Carrie, telling him to hide. He wonders what they're hiding from, and switch says that the demons eat time. Carrie explains that he's there to rescue her, and the moment when when David mentally altered him was removed from time. He leads Switch off, saying where they're going, they won't need to hide. Now, one thing I do want to point out that I thought was really interesting was right before Sid found her uh, found her double, and they were talking about what they would need to fight these creatures. They say uh, courage and luck. And whenever I think of, you know, of a quest, you go back to Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. where it's brains, brains, heart, and courage. Mm-hmm. And they very specifically left brains and heart out of this. Yeah. Because it's all about, because um, as David says later, this this whole thing is about ego. Yeah. It's not about the world. It's about him. So it's cur- it's courage and luck. We're not, we're not using empathy, our heart. We're not using our brain to say, you know, maybe this won't work. Well, he pretty much, I, I just finished up watching Breaking Bad, and yeah, um, with uh, Tina, she'd never seen it before. And, you know, we finally, we got to the point in there where, where Walter White finally admits it was all about him, and I think this was, mm-hmm. uh, this episode was David's Walter White moment that he finally admits that it's all just, yep, he really is the the, the poor, kind of spoiled little bo- boy that just wants attention and wants to be loved. And uh, that that does not bode well for him having an eventual redemption arc, I don't think. Very true. (laughs) So heading for the door. uh, Is this where we are? Yep. Heading for the door, Carrie and Switch uh, come to uh, women frozen at a door, and Switch warns that they're frozen in time. If they touch them, they'll freeze as well, as we were saying in the Star Trek episode. The demons giggle behind them, and Switch takes Carrie to the tunnel. David tells Gabrielle that he'll get them out. He's unable to telekinetically move the bars between them, and he says, Mommy! Gabrielle assumes that he's calling to his mother, because she doesn't realize she's his mother yet, and says that she and her families are gypsies, and she describes how they move from country to country and warns that they will all be erased. David realizes that she's talking about his history and insists that he can fix it by going back through time, and he figures that it's about him, not the world. Gabrielle assumes that he's a madman like her, a mad person. And David tells her to make sure that her future husband doesn't go on a trip to meet Mr. Fruk. And uh, Gabrielle says uh, he's crazy too, and David insists he's not crazy. He tells her that his life was taken from him and begs Gabrielle to remember to think of him when she sings his song. And if one day you happen to have a kid who sets fire to the living room rug, yeah. go easy on him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Might still be a good idea to put me up for adoption. Uh, just tell it. Just saying. All right. Two prisoners appear behind David and teleport him into a void. He destroys them with his powers, and they turn into two demons. David is unable to approach them because they keep rewinding him back in time. See the Doctor Strange movie. Farouk, Carrie, and Clark appear in the time between time, and Clark sees a trail leading off. They proceed to the path and come to a dead animal and set up camp while feeding on the creature's flesh. The trio continue on and spot a bunker up ahead. Now, I watched that twice and did not pick up on the fact they were eating something they found in there. Oh, no. That is is really weird. Pretty quickly, but... It was a weird-looking beast. It was, like, part elephant trunk and, like, large, you know... 
four-legged beast, and yeah, it was uh, weird. <laughs> like a goat, goat with an elephant trunk, kind of, but bigger. Yeah, just something out of a fucking nightmare. But this scene is where I obviously got two of my biggest, holy fuck, um, you know, feelings of the episode. Because the little camping trip on the uh, Time Between Time is is definitely an homage to Laja T, which, uh, if you've never heard of it, it's L-A-J-A-T-E-E. It's a French film from 1962, science fiction. But if you want the too long, didn't read, or you don't want to see a weird French movie version, go watch 12 Monkeys by Terry Gilliam, which was directly based on Laja T. And Lejeti is is told in basically still photographs, and that's what this whole camping trip in time is shot at. It's just like stop motion still photographs. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, and so yeah, book style, right? And I just you know never thought I would see anything like that on TV. And we, we finally, when David blasts the two prisoners and, and exposes the time demons, I mean it, we've gotten kind of distant shots. Uh, of them before, and of course they're moving like weeping angels, but these are like the first close-ups, and and as we were seeing them like kind of get closer and, and finally attack David and stuff, I'm like, I'll be damned if those don't look like the blue meanies from Yellow Submarine, mm-hmm. and the closer and more detailed shots we got of them, that's, that's their blue meanies from Yellow yep. Submarine, straight up, so well done on that one, Noah. Because, uh, yeah, just the Laja T would have been enough. But no, you threw Blue Meanies in there, too, and the shield. So you packed this one full of weirdness, and we love you for it. Um, but go check that out. I mean, the the basic gist of, uh, of Laja T or 12 Monkeys is that a kid sees himself murdered, well, killed, anyway, at an airport. And the person he's, or he sees a man murdered, you know, or killed at an airport. And essentially the man he sees being killed is himself from the future coming back to the past to try to save the world. So there's all kinds of that going on in this show, too. So it shouldn't have surprised me that that Noah and company would go there eventually. I just didn't actually expect to see it on screen as Legity is. So I was very happy nerd in this, this show. Um... Where are we here? Oh, back to me. Carrie and Switch leave the tunnel in the city and hide in a phone booth uh, using the device he took. Uh, Carrie, because apparently you can just do that in a phone booth. This is very <laughs> Matrixy too. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Um, and, and the glitches, too. I mean, uh, the whole show, the whole episode is basically glitches in the Matrix, sort of, but with time instead of the machines. So using the device he took, uh, Carrie calls the airship, and Potomini answers. Carrie requests emergency dropship extraction, and Potomini reports a time code error and requests a reboot. And Carrie gives a nice manual override code and tells Potomini to engage the temporal failsafe, and they appear on the airship. And Switch warns uh, that they're losing times and time, and the demons could, you know, potentially go back and eat like a thousand years and stop any of them from ever being born. And Carrie asks Potomini if the demons are scheming or just eating, and Potomini warns that it will take over three years to make the calculations necessary. So apparently, running Windows ninety five or something with Potomini, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, Carrie's just like, "Yeah, that's not really going to work for us." Up to you, sir. Uh, do we think the airship is supposed to look like a brain a little bit? 
Kind of, or like a Zeppelin, as, as yeah. Sid kind of uh, <laughs> describes to her, her past self earlier on. So I was thinking about that in um, in Clockworks, mm-hmm. how that there's that um, where they dispense the medication from. Right, looks a lot like a brainstem. Yeah, and yeah, the cockpit, this... the cockpit of this plane has that same kind of stem coming down in the center of it. Well, apparently Division has, like, moved everything here, and, and you know, Pitamini yeah. is the mainframe, so that would make a lot of sense, yeah. It's a big flying brain, or David's brain. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Sid and Sydney drink, and Sydney wonders if she's seeing her future. Sydney wonders what she is, and they very importantly, um, the word mutant is not mentioned. No, no. It says it in the, it mentions it in the, um, what is yeah, it? Recap, um, here. recap, but there were pregnant pauses both times mutant could have been said. Mm-hmm. I think the only time we've heard mutant is in the very first episode of the show, where they refer to David as the most, who could possibly be the most powerful mutant on right. So that might be something the time demons have eaten, is that word right. mutant. Sydney describes how she went to the shower and had sex with her father. That's not her father. That she right. It was your stuff. That was her mom's yeah. boyfriend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It was weird. Sorry, we didn't write this recap, by the way. <laughs> we knew that, but we're both yeah. reading it fresh. So. Okay. But um, let me read the whole description, and then I'll say my piece on that. And uh, Sid says that sex is often about power. Her younger self asks if it gets better, and Sid says that they fall in love, and that's worth it. Sid explains that she fell in love with a man who had powers, and it was magic for a while. Then he turned her around, which is what um, young Sid says happened when she went to the shower. Right. The, yeah. She went in, and he turned around and pressed, you know, pressed her face against wet glass. Hey, what did it look like when David first tried to get into the time tunnel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney tells her that she wrote on her arms about going to a desert island with David and asks if they if they switch places, if they hug. Sid doesn't have an answer for her, and they hug. Nothing happens, and then Sid finds herself on the floor with a demon hovering over her. Yeah. Pretty much in, like, a rape stance, so, yeah. Yep. Um, so we're going to assume that, you know, past... It, it seems that the time demons are, are basically mimicking people to... To screw with people too, so you know, mm-hmm. assuming they kind of took the form of of past Sid to get her to let her defenses down or something. I don't know. It was kind of shocking because I thought what we were seeing was what was going on, and all of a sudden, demon. But we should have seen that coming because the, the guards earlier ended up being demons. Yep. So in the house, Janine looks for Janine. Doesn't make sense. It's got to be uh, what's her name, uh, Lenny. Not or, Lenny. Yeah, yeah. The demons for Janine. The demons. Who yes. she calls her fishy. Yeah, fishy, fishy. The demons giggle and Janine screams. Lenny runs to her uh, and finds her giving birth in the clock room. And she talks to Janine through the delivery. Then Lenny finds herself holding a baby, but uh, time is being fucked up. So we get a nice little montage of time moving forward and Lenny's daughter. Violet gives her a picture that she made. Violet continues aging to adulthood and prevents Lenny with her granddaughter, and then they hug, and uh, Lenny's daughter becomes a dying old woman who thanks Lenny for always being there for her. 
And so that was weird. Lenny wakes up in the clock room alone, holding the pitcher and screams. Farouk, Clark, and Lenny explore the bunker and fight the demons. One gets the drop on Carrie, uh, but Farouk pulls a a sword from his throat and kills them. Uh, The three of them kill the remaining demons, and Sid screams in pleasure and pain. Uh, Okay, that's an interesting reading of that. Yeah, I didn't really get the pleasure (laughs) part of that, but uh, I don't know what the guy... Uh, the yeah, whoever wrote this rehab is smoking the blue frog stuff or something because that's not doing well. And we've seen. I promise to check uh, my work next week. Yeah, we've <laughs> seen the the time check ins and outs with um, with children in Time Traveler's Wife, and there is a great uh, Deep Space Nine episode where Cisco keeps appearing for a couple of seconds as Jake grows older and older. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, it also made me think of the uh, Mr. Show um, mustard anise commercial. Oh, I remember that. The deal, the deal is that it's so hard to uh, to put both mustard and mayonnaise on a sandwich that it takes like a lifetime to do it. This guy's trying to make a sandwich. This kid keeps walking past him. It's like, Daddy, I'm going out to play. Hi, Dad. I'm about to graduate high school. (laughs) And then the last one is, I'm going to die now, Dad. (laughs) I don't remember that one. Cool. So, David is unable to get to the demons who keep eating time and sending him back where he started. Again, see the Doctor Strange movie. He promises that he'll get time back because no one who hurts him is real. Hmm. David declares that he's God with some... uh, Who's the the sixth-arm God? I can't think of his name. Um, Vishnu? Is that Vishnu or is that uh, Kali? I think it's Kali. You see, Kali. I think Vishnu's the blue guy and Kali's the mini-armed one. Um, David declares that he's God, kills one of the demons. The other one listens to demon and tells... And the other one listens to David and tells... Who tells it that it's his time, not theirs. And with the great line... And by the way, if you want to eat something, eat shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The demon attacking Sid disappears, and the remaining demons fighting Farouk, Carrie, and Clark vanish. And after a moment, they return to real time. Yeah, Kali is the Hindu goddess of violence. At least that's one of her titles. And uh, I, for- I forgot this, but she's she kind of looks like a time demon slash uh, Blumini, too. Um, she's got a very blue face and fangs and, and big glaring eyes and in, in some of their depictions. So, hmm. <laughs> And, and the, the the phrase uh, "nobody that is hurting David is real" is, I think, still leaning towards this maybe all in his head. So, uh, so Lenny is lying on the sidewalk outside the house, crying. Uh, David asks her how bad it is, and Lenny refuses to let him mentally soothe their pain. He says, "I need my pain." <laughs> and David walks back into the house. The acolytes run to him, and uh, he telekinetically. Uh, knocks them back, telling them to stop. One of them says that science carry took switch, and David screams in frustration after a moment, recovers and says that it's war. It's on like Donkey Kong. And that wraps another episode, and who knows what they've got for us this week. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Just... Uh, Presumably, I haven't watched the preview yet. Supposedly, we're gonna, you know, get some more 
more Xavier stuff, and I expect we'll get more, uh, you know, Gabrielle stuff. But, uh, yeah, this was... I hope they figure out a resolution to the whole rewind stuff for a while, because if we have to go through, like, five more episodes of that, I'm going to have a migraine. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah. This is a show where if Noah Hawley went to, like, Zack Snyder and gave him a list of songs and then a bunch of uh, Vilson Kevich comic books, I would not be sorry to see what Zack Snyder would do with that. Oh, I would. I really? I, would. <laughs> I mean, all he, do, all he is is a copy and paste on the screen guy. Yeah, but and why would you... A, yeah, he does that good from the, the printed page, but Noah Hawley seems to be pretty nice at... <clears throat> he's much better at giving you images that evoke movies, I think, that Zack... I haven't watched one Zack Snyder movie that really evoked another good movie. I don't know. I just like to see him play with the play with the comics. Uh, I just I don't know. Yeah, hey, no, no. If he was to translate some Legion comics, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't think he would do Sinkevitz well. Sinkevitz is I don't know. No, I'd have to chew on that for a while. But my brain screams no just at the outset. <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, I did like they used that cover of REM's uh, "Can't Get There from Here" as the closing credits, which was pretty. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to make yeah. a note of that. Um, R.E.M. is, is definitely uh, coming back around. Have you seen um, Under the Silver Lake yet? No. What is that? The new song? It's a it's a new movie. Well, uh, new-ish. It's with uh, Andrew Garfield. It's kind of like a uh, millennial Big Lebowski almost. Huh, okay. Where it's got a, you know, kind of a noir plot, and there's this great scene in it where he's... He's at a bar with a girl in her early 20s, and what's the frequency Kenneth starts to play? And he gets uh, really excited. He's like, we got to dance to this. She's like, what is, what is it? <laughs> I have no idea what this song is. <laughs> How can you dance to that? I, didn't, I don't get it. But It's quite funny. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, yeah, who knows what they've uh, just barreling towards it, something. Yep, not able to predict this at all. I think Noah Hawley is just like getting out as he's like, okay, my last season, I'm gonna just throw everything. At. Sometimes this works and sometimes it doesn't. Like I'm just talking about Stranger Three, uh, Stranger Things Three with Honeywell, and I think they're. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the third season, and I feel like they're kind of doing too much pop culture bingo. Uh, th- this show could be accused of that too, to be sure. Because uh, they had at least five really prominent pop culture references in this one. Maybe not that prominent either. I mean, like I said, I don't know how widely known Lajati is, but uh, that's a pretty deep cut. Um, but it's pretty, you know, it's not as deep a cut since 12 Monkeys came out and, and no. you know, movie and TV show. But. but that movie's still, what, 24, 23 years old at least. Right, yeah, even that. But I mean, I guess the, the new show based on it was pretty good, apparently. <laughs> That's what I heard. I never saw yeah. an episode of it. No, me either. I had no interest. I'm like, wait, no, what? You know, I mean, you don't remake Terry Gilliam stuff and have me be real excited about it. That's the main thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but some people it worked for, so. Um, yeah, I mean. We kind of predicted a lot of this. It's kind of like X Men One Hundred and One. You know, someone goes through time and shit gets fucked up, and uh, and they're showing that to us brilliantly. And and I just hope we get more of it. 
I just don't know if they're going to, I really don't know if they're going to go for like a redemption arc or not on David. Um, I still think the twist will either be, it's still all in his head. Uh, I said the, the phrase, the line that nobody hurts me, nobody that hurts me is real was kind of like telling to me that this mm-hmm. is all just about, and he's finally, you know, kind of claimed God, because that's kind of how it goes in the comics. He eventually claims Godhood over his all his personalities and makes them, you know, come together and do what he wants whenever he wants and not just when one personality takes over. Yeah, and he's well on his way to doing that. Yeah. So, again, whether there's any actual external forces other than maybe Farouk in this, uh, we don't know yet. I still think there's a possibility of it just being... You know, uh, eventually Farouk, you know, Farouk's their ally now, the Division ally, but I, I still think he might be behind everything and is deceiving everyone, and David's actually is still a good guy, and maybe, you know, he, Farouk even created the the date rape stuff that David allegedly did and all this stuff. We don't know, but um, that'd be one way to redeem David, I guess. I don't know how you can do a redemption with David at this point without having that never actually happened other than, you know, he, he's said that he's going to go back and make that never have happened, but Sid rightly pointed out that it's like, well, it still happened. You know, you're still the person yep. that did that. Yep. So, I mean, the only way to really redeem that is to have Farouk, you know, have him not have actually have done that ever, that it was all deception by Farouk, so we don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's a- four more <laughs> episodes. <laughs> and it's a big thing when, you know, it came up, you know, stop, prevent the Holocaust mm-hmm. from happening, and he doesn't even consider that an option. Right, and that's... Usually that's, that's where your hero will go, oh, you know what, if, you know, if I start doing this, I'm never going to be able to stop. But this guy goes, no, 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 this is about me. <laughs> right, and that's, you know, the stopping the Holocaust or killing Hitler is always like, time travel 101 what you should do with it right you know that's always mm-hmm. mentioned you know and that's actually a kind of a dead dead zone poll there too because johnny smith talks about it with his buddy um but yeah that's where david like finally throws off the cloak of his own denial and is like no you know i'm not really trying to save the world here it's just about making me okay but i mean he kind of deludes himself to thinking that well i think maybe he believes that he's going to destroy the world and if he, he saves himself first and maybe the world won't get destroyed maybe that's where his hero story will come in um you know i i think if they are going to do like a legion quest thing he might maybe actually prevent himself from being born maybe that'll be that might be his redemptive arc too that he's the hitler he goes back and kills you know or the magneto he goes back and tries to kill and offs his father instead so maybe offs his father you know before he gets together with Gabrielle or something. Who knows? I don't but know. it seems like we're already we're already in a universe that, except for that first episode, you know, doesn't the word mutant has been eaten? Yeah, nobody's yeah. saying that. And you know, his 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 dad was kind of the guy that popularized the term. Yeah, yeah. That you know came out and was like, you know, these these people who I'm not one of, wink wink, are <laughs> yeah, are, yeah. are mutants. Yep. Uh, boy, it kind of reminds me. I just saw the movie yesterday. Um, How was it? I, it was really it's kind of a very schmaltzy love story, but it is okay. A great date movie. I highly recommend it okay. as a date movie. 
Um, it was good. I mean, it was. I was surprised that it was directed by the same guy that did Twenty Eight Days Later. Later, because glaring absence of zombies in it. In fact, zombies might not even exist in pop culture because one of the things they do. Long story short, it's about this guy that bumps his head, wakes up in a world that the Beatles apparently never existed in, but he remembers all their songs. So he becomes a rock star off of all the Beatles songs. But the funny kind of running joke through the movie is that he keeps mentioning like pop culture stuff or makes a joke about Hogwarts or something or Harry Potter. And people would be like, who, what? And then so he'll jump to Google and try to Google Harry Potter and he'll get, you know, there's, it doesn't exist. Harry Potter was never written in this universe. Coca-Cola never existed. There's only Pepsi. And so it's a running joke through the whole movie that he just, he keeps mentioning stuff and people are like, what are you talking about? You know, so along with the Beatles, several other things have been eaten somewhere along the line in this new universe. So that then made me think of yesterday a lot when things start coming up missing in this one. <laughs> Makes me think of uh, the the invention of lying with Ricky Gervais. Oh, I'll never get to see that. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a neat movie. The world where where lying was never invented. Hmm. Okay. So I've seen movie, that with Jim Carrey too. You know, liar, liar, sort of. <laughs> well, it's like every every movie that comes out is Christopher Guest sitting in a chair next to a globe. And just reciting <laughs> reciting history didactically. Ah, no so that's that's cinema. <laughs> that's awesome. I could watch day, that. I could watch yeah. that. <laughs> that's funny. I gotta check that out now. It's pretty good. I got nothing more for this. I mean Me neither. <laughs> just keep watching with us folks and, yeah. and we'll you know, get together at the end and do whatever group hugs we need to to get through this. And uh, <laughs> I just don't even know what to expect, and that's the greatest part about all this. Uh, I don't even know what I want to happen. You know, most shows are, I, I watch, I'm like, I really want it to end like this. And this one, I don't even care. I just, I, whatever they give me is going to be glorious. And that's what's great about it. Yeah, this way it won't have a, um, a Game of Thrones style ending right. where. People are like, but I needed for this to happen. Yeah. Just on the brief subject of Game of Thrones final season that just apparently got nominated for a billion fucking Emmys again, it doesn't deserve one of them unless it's like cinematography for the dragon fights because yep. Yep. it sucked. The last season sucked, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Send your Game of Thrones complaints to Productions at gmail.com. Fuck you, I don't care. Um <laughs> That's Weekly Heroics. We'll try to find Hero in the time stream one of these days. Uh, we got the boys coming up very, very soon. we got to start doing that weekly somehow. Yeah. I may have to find other partners for this show. So also write us if you'd be interested in being on the show, because I know Patrick's going to be a busy boy here. So I may need some help covering a couple of these things for a while. Uh, but hope you're still enjoying it, because we're definitely still enjoying doing it for you. And uh, we'll play out with some R.E.M., I'm assuming, if I can find the song. And we'll be back next week. Bye now. When the world is monsters to swallow you whole 
Through your troll 